0: Good morning, all. Hallelujah. Good morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and if you're here for the first time, you'll find some sheets on the seats around you. Grab one of those. There should be enough. If you haven't got one, the ushers will bring you one. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and have that open. I'd also extend my great congratulations to all those who have qualified and going through tomorrow. Well done. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In a few weeks' time, I think three weeks' time, we're going to take up our missions faith pledge. Those of you who have been here for a while will know exactly what that is. The scriptures are very clear about tithing. We're intended by God to bring 10% of our income to the church each week, to the local church, the church you attend. But after that, there are offerings sacrificial offerings and free will offerings. And we can give them to different things that we feel led to. And after that, there's faith pledges, and that's where things really start to move financially in your life. We'll be taking the next pledge up in about three weeks' time. So I just want to begin to prepare for that. It's something that needs preparation. So I think it's, yeah, not next week or the week after, but the week after that. We'll put the forms out next week, but you can start preparing for it now. I've entitled today's message, running the race, and with a little, uh, um, we're going to allude towards finances as we do go through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, it says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave that after I I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. And if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 12, sorry. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. I'll just read those first few verses. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. I want to talk about the fact that and you may not have been aware of this yet in your life. You have got a race specifically marked out for you in life by God. If you go through some of the other epistles, you will find that, particularly, the Apostle Paul talks about his race in, on, on many different occasions. And the first thing he says is that it's personal, he calls it my race. And he saw life as if God had set before him a personally chosen path. He wasn't wandering. He wasn't aimless. God was ahead of him, and God had set it out. In fact, that's what he says, to run the race set before you. And so often, I mean, sometimes in life you bump into people and you realize that God is ahead of you. God has been there before you. He is planning your life. But sometimes that maybe is not so clear. So number one, Paul calls the race of life personal. God determines the times and the places in which we live. He says it's a race that's been set out. Now listen carefully. Do you know what that means? It means that God knows you. He knew you before you were born. He knows your nature. He knows your character. He knows your strengths. And he knows your weaknesses. And it means this, that he will set out your life in such a way that you're going to have hurdles to get over. It's like getting a personal trainer, you know? If you want to go and lose some weight or get fit, the first thing that trainer will do is he will look at you and he will make an assessment of you and then he will set you a series of problems, hurdles. It's resistance that causes, you know... Our muscles to grow right and it's the same with God Paul saw his life like that when a problem came he saw this is something God has set before me something God has permitted in my life in fact I often think of leaders that way you could imagine Jonah I've mentioned this before Jonah had one big problem he had a cold heart remember he didn't care about people not one jot so who does God choose to go to Nineveh. What did God set before the man with a cold heart? 120,000 people. Because that was a hurdle that he had to get over. And through the process of following the race set before him, actually Jonah didn't change, right? At least by the end of the book, we see no change. And so the problems and the hurdles of life, you can look at them and say, praise God, if you take this, if you believe the scripture, you can look at them and say, God is ahead of me. So Paul saw his race as, as, as personal, as something God had laid out and set before him. And lastly, he saw it as something of great reward. He said, I have run the race. I have fought for, for the prize that is ahead of me. Amen. That's really quite a way to see life. But in Hebrews, you see a slightly different perspective on it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. I think it's only two or three times in Scripture that that word for sin is used. This is the singular word for sin. Okay, It's mostly plural in nearly all places. I think it's three times that the singular word for sin is used. And this is one of them what it means, and what, well, what it means to me, I think, is that every Christian has got a sin that they fight. And if they overcome that sin, they're free. Not totally free. We've got a battle every day, right? But you're freer than you ever would be. And the rest of sins in life are not really that big a deal to you. You'll be okay. You can handle them. But before each of us is set the sin, It's a personal thing. And it's a thing you must keep on trying to overcome until you overcome it. And then the rest of the sins in life, yes, they will be there. But you'll be able to cope with them. You'll be so much stronger. Now that the sin, that singular sin may well raise its ugly head again and again in your life. But there it is. It's a hurdle. It's a chosen obstacle put before you. And it explains a lot, you know, when you see the scriptures that way, doesn't it? You see so many Christians who are free and moving and healing or deliverance or miracles or prosperity. You ask yourself, well, how did you get free? Oh, I overcame the sin. And after that, to be honest, the rest of these things in life are so much easier. Now, it may change. That single thing may change as you go through life. But there it is. It's, it's really, a, it draws us into freedom, okay? Now, I know some of us, I'm going to look at, at clearing the junk out of our lives. I know, Pastor Tom, I believe you did that a few weeks back, but it's something we need to come back to again and again. John and Isabel just cleared out their loft, amen. Now, if you know me well, you'll know that I can't tolerate junk. I hate junk, you know, and I keep on clearing it out. I don't believe in spring cleaning, you see. If you do a spring clean, You may think that's a great thing. But let me tell you, spring cleaning doesn't work. And do you know why? (laughs) Because it'll all be back by next week. Amen? It it has to change from a a once-in-a-year attitude or once-it-gets-a-problem-in-my-life attitude. It has to change until it becomes a mindset, until it becomes a way of life. And then you're starting to get somewhere. When no junk, no excess will be tolerated Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 therefore clear off everything that entangles you get rid of all the junk anything and everything that's in your life that's emotionally, physically, spiritually it needs to become a way of life I told you before two years ago I think it was we did a big clear out at home and I had to throw out a lot of good stuff because it was in my way good stuff doesn't mean it's the best stuff. And if I've got loads of good stuff, you know, when I, on my deathbed, I might look back and think, wasn't that good? Sorry I kept it. I wonder what God would have had for me if I'd made a little bit of space. And a couple of years ago, I did a really severe clear out. And I remember bringing Jeanette into my office and I said, look, everything concerning the past is gone and every single thing in my office concerns the future now and I can't tell you how good that feels and what's more guess what look I've got space there's actually space I never would have believed I would have had space there but it it was costly I had to throw some things out some things that were dear to me some things that were good they're just not that good when you get them into perspective. So the junk in our lives, it can be physical, it can be emotional, all sorts of things. But I warn you, please listen, clear out everything that will stop you progressing in life. Clear out the junk, right? It's not just a personal bent of mind. It's right there in your Bible. Get rid of everything that will slow you down. You know, people who cannot clear out physical junk very often maybe struggle to clear out emotional junk or spiritual junk or things that you pick up in life. You need to to get into the habit of that and make it, you know, your way of living. And if you can't do that, I've I've given you a couple of effects it will have in your life. Number one, you're gonna be slower baggage in life, excess baggage, is going to slow you down. It's going to be a burden to you in a way that it shouldn't be. You're going to be unable to move on, but the worst one is that you can't receive. If my life is full of stuff, I can't receive anything. You. And then maybe we complain because we don't understand. We've, we've blocked God out. We've clogged him out. People who can't clear out junk are slower, and they're definitely ineffective. Ineffective in relationships and building relationships because you come near some people and you sense there's a whole heap of stuff they're carrying with them. And that's very off-putting. Ineffective in careers, ineffective in life, and definitely for ministry. You cannot hope to move in ministry at any speed, right? If you're going to carry things with you, I think it's impossible. I remember Donnelly, bless him. I really appreciated him. I said something about someone one day just in the pastor's meeting and Donnelly picked me up wrong, you know. And he came to me afterwards and he said, Pastor Mike, you know, I need to really correct you. I think you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards that person, the way you spoke about them. I remember I said, Donnelly, do you know what? Thank you very much for, and I really mean it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming to me. Uh, that that, that's how you thought i was thinking or behaving but let me tell you something do you think i could survive a week in ministry if i was going to hold for unforgiveness i'm not going to fall for that i don't care if somebody stabs me in the back or beats me upside down i will forgive them on the spot no problem every time and i really mean that because i can't be tied to a situation that will cost me everything And he began to see, oh, I see. No, I was just sharing what I was sharing so that you guys would understand. But hold on to that? No way, you know? So ministry, you must be joking. You can never stay in ministry or last in ministry at all of any sort if you can't get rid of the junk of life, okay? So what we're going to do is I'm going to work through some of the types of baggage. Now, it's become a bit of an international problem, actually, of late, you may have noticed if you've flown anywhere they're getting stricter and stricter and stricter now if you have ever gone to the airport and had excess baggage put your hand up tell the truth put your hand up if you've ever gone there's a lot more than that I can guarantee you right you turn up there and they they put it on the scales and they're getting stricter and stricter I used to think Americans were the worst now I think it's Africans true You go to Heathrow, and there they are, you'll see some family, and the guy's got his case open, and he's got the entire kitchen with him. What are you thinking about? It's crazy. But you turn up there, you get your case, you put it on the scale, and there's bag after bag after bag, and they start to weigh it, and they say, sir, madam, you've got excess, and that's going to charge you a fortune. And then you've got to make a decision, and the decision is, something has to go, right? Right? So out comes the case, open the case, and all of a sudden that teddy bear doesn't look quite so cute. Right? You've got to make a decision. And that is a very good moment of life. My only point is, you should have made the decision at home. You should be able to look at the things of your life, emotionally, physically, and say, Do you know what? I really don't need to take this, whatever it is, any further I can actually drop it I can leave it now so when we talk about types of baggage there's good baggage and there's bad baggage there's heavy weights and there's light weights as Christ himself said on top of the list of things that are heavy to us for sure is sin in fact Jesus said one day remember when he saw the people they used to come to the gate of Jerusalem with a big bundles huge bundles on their back that's how they did it and they walked in and he saw them remember what he said Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden. He saw that thing as sin, you know. He said, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. Wonderful, wonderful scripture that. And we need to see that. Sin is the heaviest thing that you can carry, right? Heavier than anything else in life. I heard the other day, what was it? A neutron star. If you took a teaspoon and you scooped up a little bit of a neutron star, something like 10,000 tons. You think, what? We have no way of understanding that. But that's what sin is, you see. Sin will drag you into, don't be afraid, hell. That's how heavy it is. Sin will drag you into hell. You can't pull it back. It will pull you down. It will destroy you. It's the heaviest thing known to man, right? We need to give it to Christ. Cast your cares onto Jesus, for he cares for you, and he can cope with that. Sin, number one. Number two, doubt is heavy because it interferes with our faith. And there's wrong weights. And goodness me, I get very weary dealing with this in people's lives, you know, Uh, particularly pastors. You really got to be careful as a pastor about the weights you carry. But everybody does. The wrong weights in life. Wrong weights will kill you. They'll destroy you. Listen to me. (laughs) You got to decide what you're going to carry in life. You've got to decide what you're picking up and what you're putting down. That's a decision you're going to have to make. I'll give you an example. We had this woman in the church once and she decided that she was the person sent by God to sort me out in every way. She was going to sort me straight out. She had done a whole list of things that were wrong with me. I was this, I was that. And, and she was talking to me, talking to our senior pastor, a guy called Peter Finch, and she was getting completely out of control. And she disappeared for about six months. And then she made an appointment to see us. And I'll never forget the day. It's one of the most memorable things in my life, actually. Because of what happened that day. She walked in with a list of complaints about me. <laughs> and this is how she came in. Look at this. This is a weight you can't carry. I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> so Peter, my senior, is sitting there. And the lady comes in. I've got the things I want to say about uh, about him. And I, I said, excuse me, Pastor Peter, would you mind if I just open this meeting? He said, yes. Go ahead. I said, see that list? Could I have it? She said, yes. And I took it off her and I put it in the right place. I gave it to my boss. And I said to her, you see him, God has appointed him to correct me not you not you and there's a thing called the anointing right now if you start dabbling in things that are none of your concern that will kill you that's going to destroy you you're out of the realm of your authority that's why there's a church so you need to let that thing go take that weight that is destroying you and give it to him and to my shock she did In fact, she interrupted me and she said, you're right, you're right. For six months, my life has fallen apart. I said, well, this is why. You're out of order. You can't carry that. You see, she had backslidden, you know. You can have someone who's spirit-filled in a church, friends. Someone who's spirit-filled, worshiping God and not have one problem with the church. Listen, the first day they backslide, what happens? There's a problem in the church. I've got this problem, that problem as soon as they backslide, the devil heaps weights on them. Why? To distract them from the very weight they should try and deal with, and that's themselves. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need to decide what weights you're going to carry. You need to be very particular about that, very choosy about that. John and Gordon actually came to me many months ago and and, and said there was a prayer meeting in town. It's some group or something organizing it. Would we be part of it? And I said, no, I I can't, Gordon. I've got my own permit. We've got our own church. We've got our own cover, you see. And so I need to exist under that. That's where my safety is. But they were saying, well, we're going to do it. And I said, amen. God bless you. I I hope it works. But have you any idea the number of people who knock our door and say, I've got a good idea for you? (laughs) Well, I've got a good idea for you. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm carrying and it's not destroying me. I'm able to hold it because I have been fussy and choosy about who gives me the weight. They come from above, right? And if you do not discipline yourself in life to do that, receive your responsibilities, receive your chores, receive your weights from above, or they will, you know, they'll crush you, destroy you. And I I warned John and Gordon right at the beginning. In fact, remember, I said, you see if you guys get involved in a a, a parachurch organization and a prayer meeting, they'll end up dumping that on you. They'll end up giving you that. And you'll have to take it. And you need to decide now. And they were saying, you know, it'll be okay. It took four months. And the two leaders gave it to John and Gordon and left, you know. It's exactly what I mean. mean, This happens all the time. So you need to be very choosy in life about the weights that you take on because they'll destroy you. You won't be free to run in the freedom. The things that God gives me, I can carry. Hallelujah. I'm able to carry. I can cope with them. I can pass them to those that can carry them. But you can soon tell if you've picked up something that should not be in your mind, in your heart, in your life, in your spirit, it starts to destroy you. You start to fall apart. So today's a good day for a little bit of unpacking. Amen. A little bit of reassessment. So number one, sin is heavy. Doubt is heavy. Wrong weights that people try to put upon you can be very heavy or wrong weights that you yourself have picked up. Unforgiveness, how heavy is that? (coughs) Excuse me. You know the story? There's two men and they're walking down a, a, a parallel country lane and they're quite happy. They've got empty backpacks on and off they go. Everything's good. But all of a sudden, each of them come to a rock and they both bend down and pick up the rock. And the first man thinks, I don't need it. (laughs) But the second man thinks, don't throw anything out, do I? I think I'll, I'll just, I'll just keep it. And off they go. Oh, there's another one. The first man has developed that habit. I don't think I need this. But the second man is the way he, he I think I'll just keep it. And on they go. And eventually it's, come on. Now you, you go on ahead. Something's slowing you down. And some people, it's just, it's the way we are sometimes. We just don't know that you don't have to keep that thing. You can put that thing down. You don't have to carry it. Now, I was interfered with when I was a child, sexually, when I was in school, and I I made a decision, even as a child, I made a decision that that wasn't going to affect me. it It was my own choice, and I've lost count of the number of people that they presume, because this thing happened to you, you're destroyed, your life is over, oh, come and sit down, let's pray for you. No, I'll pray for you, actually. I made, it, I made it, even as a child, I made a choice. I do not need to let this thing bother me, right? I don't need to do it. And there's a presumption that Christians can have, the world certainly has, that when this happens you or that happens you, you've got to be depressed. You've got to be ruined for the rest of your life. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's a choice. It's a weight that I, I say, you know what? I choose not to carry. I'm going to keep my backpack with just in it what God wants in it not gonna have it and you've got those choices too you know this this is a true story there was a mountain climber a very wealthy man who wanted he wanted to go on a training course to climb Everest or Kilimanjaro or something and he went on the course and and the trainer was teaching him everything he had to do to get up that mountain and they went through all the stuff but because he was a wealthy man and he was used to all the comforts of life his backpacks were like five times as big as everybody else's. He wanted this, he wanted that. And the trainer was saying, You know what, pal, you're crazy. You think you're taking that lot up the mountain? You can't do it. Leave it. But he thought he knew better. And he went up the mountain. <laughs> he never came down. It was a sad thing. They found him, and they found his rucksack where the animals had torn it open and all the stuff blown all over the place couldn't let it go couldn't leave it behind and it ended up costing him everything and when you're lying on the side of a mountain it just doesn't look that good anymore does it it really doesn't he would have been better clearing it out earlier and that's what today is about getting the junk out of our lives what is heavy sin is heavy it's so heavy you have to give it to christ No one else can deal with it. You can't deal with it. Doubt is heavy. Wrong weights are heavy. Unforgiveness is heavy. Disobedience is heavy. There's nothing worse than that. If you get out of sorts with your oversight or whatever, that's a terrible thing. I hate that. I always go the extra mile on that one. Circumstances that are beyond your control in life are heavy. Some people, again, just can't seem to tell the difference between what they can control and what they can't. You know? Life's like that. My grandmother was a very wise woman. I remember our next-door neighbor, two doors up, was shot dead in the doorway. He was a good guy. His name was John. He used to babysit us sometimes when we were kids. One of my sisters came running into the house screaming, John's been shot, John's been shot. And we go out, and there he was. He was dead. In fact, his father came in, and his father dropped dead on the spot of a heart attack when he saw his son. And we had both dead bodies there. And I remember my mother going into just complete and utter panic. But I remember my grandmother completely calm completely still and being a voice of of real calmness in that tragedy of a situation and you know what she was saying there's nothing we can do he's dead it's now a circumstance that's beyond our control and she was a much older woman she was in her 80s and she had learned you know what there's no point in getting all stressed out about something once it's done, it's done. And she had an acceptance within her that the rest of us just didn't have. She was able to put down her need for control of that very tragic situation. Circumstances beyond your control are too heavy and pointless in trying to take. Now, on the light side, and this is something good, Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden. So we do have a burden from God. He calls it that. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'll tell you what's light. Listen, the cross is light. I say, no, it can't be light. The cross is terrible. The cross, light. Do you know what the cross is lighter than? Sin. There's nothing as heavy as sin. And the cross of Christ, to follow him, to obey him, Is lighter than sin. That's what it's lighter than. Do you know what's light? Faith. And operating in faith. Walking in your calling. That's a lovely thing. That's a light thing. It's light to have a forgiving spirit. It's light to be submissive. And to have a degree of acceptance about the things of life. And age can do that to you if nothing else does. Age has a way of humbling us and breaking us down and really bringing us to our knees in a good way. And the last thing I want you to do as we round up, in fact, turn to Luke chapter 10 a moment. Look at this. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It's a story of Mary and Martha. Mary, it seems, had no weights at all. And Martha had so many, she was getting stressed out. Luke chapter 10 in verse 38 says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. You notice that? Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself tell her to help me imagine saying that to jesus martha martha the lord answered you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed mary has chosen the better and it will not be taken from her probably one of the most misunderstood passages in the bible and i say that because jesus wasn't telling Martha off because she was working it's not the work that's the problem God applauds work in fact some of the harshest lines in the Bible are said to those who can work and don't work right worse than an unbeliever one of the worst things in the church is a man who can work and yet won't work it's very strict so he's not telling her off because she's working God applauds work he likes work so what's he telling her off for Listen carefully, he, 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 he actually names it. He says, Martha, you're distracted. That's your problem. You're distracted and you're allowing the everyday things to become a weight and I don't want them to. You see, she's doing the dishes or she's cooking or she's cleaning. Listen to me, everybody's gotta clean. Everybody's gotta cook. We've all got jobs to do. We've all got work to do, Martha. Jesus hasn't got a problem that Martha's got work to do. He's got a problem that her work is taking her joy away, taking her attention. Martha, Martha, everybody's got duties in life. And I'm upset that for some reason, they're distracting you. They're destroying you. You're unhappy. And I want you to see that. It's an interesting thing, you see, because if you think of it, you get two women they've both got children children are about the same yet this woman it's a distraction to me I get no joy from my child the other woman it's light and it's easy you get two pastors with churches pretty similar you'll get one pastor and the church is a heavy weight the other pastor the church is light you'll get two wives with husbands that are very similar Situations very alike. One of them, oh, he's nothing but a burden to me. And the other, no, it's okay. I can handle it. See, Jesus was getting at Martha's, whatever was distracting. I don't know whether Mary was a bit too spiritual for her or something, but something was happening there and it wasn't the work. It was her inability to to not be distracted by it and just let it be light, right? And I want you to search inside yourself this morning. And analyze what are you carrying? Who gave it to you? I like, as I mentioned, I like my weights to come from those who are over me, for them to give me tasks. That's why it's light. But once you start picking stuff up, you can run into health problems, psychological problems, financial problems when you start taking stuff in from outside. Careful! Careful! So just take a moment. I invite the worship team back. Just bow your heads. Just focus on God right now. Lord, you know our lives inside out. You know all about us. All that we are and all that we ever will be. I pray you would come now, Holy Spirit, and you would reveal us to us. Show us ourselves. And if anything be a distraction to us in a way that it shouldn't, would you help us overcome it? If we're carrying things that have got no place in our lives, forgive us, God, and give us the grace today to put them down. And also, Lord, of there's things you want us to pick up, ministries, tasks in life, we make ourselves available because we've got room. We've got space as we clear out. I'm just going to give you a moment to talk to God about your weights, your burdens in life, good and bad. Necessary and unnecessary.